Hello, good morning, and welcome to Wisdom and Productivity, the podcast of Dr. Efraim Martinez. I am a principal in search of wisdom, and I have found productivity to be a great tool for success in life. Today, today I have the distinguished honor of having with me Gillian Du Bois, who is an educator, author, illustrator, and this is the part I like the most, optimistic originator. Gillian Du Bois, who are you? Oh, hello. Uh, thanks so much for having me today. It's always such a joy just to see um, another friendly face and not just to like hear you, but to actually see you. I feel like we're sitting down enjoying our coffee together. Um, so that's wonderful. And yeah, I like to say, I mean, I am all those things, but I also like to say I'm just an ordinary, simple human being who gets to do extraordinary things um, alongside extraordinary people. So yes, I mean, while all those things are true, um, I just, you know, I just love people and I love the things that I get to do and I love sharing them. So here I am. That is why I'm here. Awesome. We're going to learn so much from her. Jillian Du Bois is also a member of Teach Better. So since we're talking about Teach Better, let's hear something about them. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. Now let's get back to the episode. Okay, thank you so much. Let's go back to the episode. Jillian, so can you um, walk us through your professional trajectory up to this point? Oh, sure. That's a great one. So um, professionally, I started out um, being an ophthalmic technician. So I was in an eye doctor's office and got to see people who were you know, struggling with their eyesight. So again, they were um, a, a lot of people I got to see, but they were very um, elderly. So we're talking 70 and up, right? And so when I actually became a mom, I was able to stay home. I had that privilege of staying home with my son. And when it was time for me to go back to work, I'm like, I don't know if I want to work with the elderly anymore. I think I want to like reverse <laughs> that trajectory and I want to work with kids. So when my son went to school, I actually volunteered in his classroom and I loved it so much in kindergarten. I loved it so much in first grade. I loved it so much in second grade. And I'm like, you know, I think I could be a teacher. I love it. I love kids. I love supporting them, encouraging them, telling them, telling them they can be all that they want to be and kind of guide them. So I did. Back, um, gosh, 21 years ago, there was a shortage of teachers, um, not unlike today. Like today. And, like today. And um, I actually had a four-year degree. And anyone that had a four-year degree in Florida was invited to make a transition to teaching. So we actually had to take a few courses online through a local junior college, and we were given a professional certification in teaching. So, you know, which was a good thing, but it also was a not so good thing because that also meant we didn't have the background. We didn't have 
the right internship. We didn't have the experience with kids that we really needed before we just jumped in the classroom. It's kind of like we were just thrown in there. So I was kind of thrown in the classroom. I was that teacher who was so nervous and I didn't know, I had no really perception. I had one little narrow pathway of what I thought a teacher was based on what I was, I went through in my own classes in school. So it was sit down in your seat. Here's your work. Do it. Don't speak out of turn. Um, you know, okay. When the bell rings, everybody's packing up, let's go home. That was it. So I was kind of like that authoritative authoritarian teacher who just didn't give kids any freedom to be creative and to be themselves. So lo and behold, Pretty much a couple of years later, my son was going through some really um, deep struggles academically. We found out he was ADHD, he had dyslexia, and teachers didn't understand him. I didn't understand him, um, but I made it my job to, right? Our kids are our gift, and I poured all that I had into understanding what was going on with my child. And in doing that, um, I was able to kind of make that transition to being a teacher who is a little more open, a little more flexible, understanding what the learning styles and needs are of every child, not just as a whole, right? It's not a one size fits all. So we kind of continued that path. I was able to support him and um, kind of stay with him through his academic years until he got to middle school. Middle school was really tough and I was no longer there with him because I was in the elementary setting. Um, we did homework every night three or four hours. There were tears, there were arguments, and we just couldn't do it anymore. The stress on our family was incredible. So I made the decision, we made the decision as a family that I would stay home and homeschool my son. And I remember that I was very sad because I didn't want to leave my students. But when we talked about it as a family and we sat down with our son and we said, hey, bud, and, you know, I know this is just really hard for you. What do you think if mom stayed home and we just homeschooled? And I will never forget, he cried and he broke down and sobbed. And I thought, oh no, we're taking him away from his friends, his, you know, the kids that he loves, teachers he really cares about. And he said, no, I'm not unhappy. I'm so happy. Um, this is everything that I really need. And he understood that that burden was now lifted. So for the next four and a half years, we took every opportunity to just explore the world, to explore education, and to do it very untraditionally, um, how it fit him. And he thrived. I thrived, right? As a teacher, as an educator, as a mom, as a human being, just to understand that you know, it's those relationships. Had I not had that relationship with my son, wouldn't have been able to continue that path with him. But we continued to grow. He never bucked me on anything that we did. Um, I had to relearn algebra and geometry and <laughs> learn how to, you know, write papers and read literature again. And oh my goodness. But it was so much fun. And when he graduated, I will never just forget that feeling of accomplishment for him. So when he graduated, I went back to the classroom, a different teacher, a different educator, and for the past six and a half years, that's what I've done. Everything that I can pour into my kids to help them be successful, to help them be confident, to help them be brave and kind, and to help them, you know, the academics honestly is secondary. It's their character. 
I want them to learn how to be honest and respectful and responsible. So it's, you know, and every kid, oh my goodness, is so different. And I love that. I love being able to meet them where they are and know them for who they are. So that's where I am today, actually. Wow. Long story. Yeah. Thank you for sharing how how impactful. Um, um, Usually you hear stories about homeschooling and, and you either hear or assume the worst. Thank you for sharing. That's very meaningful. Let me ask you a follow-up question. On that first day that you came back as a teacher, what was the one thing that you knew you were going to do differently? Um, empower my students. Let them use their voice. You know, they don't have to sit there and be quiet. Um, I encourage them to speak, to to smile, to shine, to you know, be who they are. Um, if you don't want to sit in your seat today, that's fine. Go sit under there, over there. Go sit on a stool. Go sit on the carpet. Um, you know, flexible seating, just choices. You know, we always hear voice and choice. Well, it's just it's more than that. It's allowing them the freedom to really investigate and be curious as to who they are and, ex and explore those options. Wow, I mean, wow. I, I'm so impressed, uh, Jillian. You know, my wife told me the other day um, that um, for mothers, um, any profession um, assumes that you are to make all the responsibilities without having being a parent or being in charge of, of your kids and nobody thinks about that they just think about your eight to five or whatever times uh so thank you for sharing that struggle that that became so fructiferous and was able to not only help your son but also empower you as a teacher to empower students thank you so much that's that's awesome thank you So let's continue, like in Back to the Future, Jillian. If you could go back in time to any of the positions you have held professionally, what would be one or two things you will tell yourself? Uh, <laughs> um, I think the probably the biggest thing I would have told myself is to stop performing for an audience. Um, there is nobody watching you. There is nobody who is going to judge you for being your real and authentic self. <laughs> why we think, and this was me, why I thought I had to strive to be that perfect person that everybody was watching. And I put my expectations for myself up here and expecting to be perfect, expecting to be in control. And boy, did I fall. <laughs> and those falls, right, made me feel like a failure. And why did it make me feel like a failure? Because I was performing. So. Beautiful. Thank you. That is that is so on point. Oh. Thank you. It was um, hard. It's hard. You know, we think we watch people perform all the time. Yeah. We watch um, artists and actors, yeah, and and singers, and and it just seems such like such a natural thing that we should be doing. But that's not real. It's not real. It is not real, absolutely. And children don't need an actor, they need a teacher. Right. Beautiful. So let's talk a, a, a little bit more intellectual stuff. So reading books is such a privilege, right? And it can be reading, audiobooks, it could be magazines, articles. Uh, if you could uh, share one fiction book that you cherish the most and why? 
<laughs> well, I have been a reader all my life. Um, my father was very intentional about having my sister and I read often. He would take us to the bookstores every Saturday, and that was what we did. We got to pick out a new book every Saturday, or we went to the library. So I was always reading, but I have just grown to, you should see my library. I mean, I have got to quit buying books, but okay. So my fiction book that I love the most, this is a children's book. Um, I think all of most of my fiction books are children's books, but this one is called The Dot by Peter H. Reynolds, and Peter H. Reynolds is a brilliant children's author and illustrator. I think I got this book almost 20 years ago, and I read it every single year to my students. I give them a copy at the end of the year um, as kind of like we call it our souvenir from second grade, but it is all about making your mark in the world, and your mark is not going to look like anybody else's mark. It doesn't matter if you do a dot, if you do lines, if you do squares or shapes, your mark is your mark. Own it and love it and take it with you wherever you go. Wow. What, what a strong message, especially in the era of that children often measure how good they are based on, on likes and based on uh, what social media is trying to sell us thank you for thank you for sharing that that's that's pretty cool uh let me make a parenthesis um i think it was in pennsylvania an assistant principal read a story to children and it was something about i need a new butt have you have you heard about that i haven't i know him yes you know him. <laughs> i do know him. oh my gosh poor guy i mean i can only feel terrible that um a children's story was read and someone lost their job. Yes, and it was a children's story from, you know, a, an author in England. Um, and it just, but it's gotten a lot, but it's gotten a lot of attention. And, you know, I think it's kind of brought to light a lot of those things. And it's, it's kind of like gone to, there are other authors now that have said their books have been pulled off shelves. And, you know, we won't go into all of that, but it's just, It's interesting how we perceive um, things. And, it, you know, that's what books are. Perceptions and people's um, opinions and, you know, their own interpretations of things. So it's so hard to judge. Yes. Um, to judge Beautiful. them. So the same question, but with one nonfiction book that you cherish the most and why? Um, I, this is my very favorite book. I have had this book for a very long time. It's um, Mother Teresa and Her Essential Wisdom. Um, and it's all of her quotes that are kind of put together in one book. And I, it's one of those where I just, I've bookmarked it, I have highlighted, I just go through because um, you talk about the epitome of wisdom. Um, she was just a woman who just loved and gave everything she had um, with joy. And that kind of is some of the things that spark my own joy. And we'll add, that's why I talk about joy so much, just because I get her. <laughs> and I know where she's coming from. It's not just, you know, a happiness based on your circumstances and your situations. It's something that comes from your heart. So um, I love to read everything that she writes. Awesome. Awesome. You know, the only quote or that I can paraphrase from Maura Theresa, I think it goes like this. If everybody will clean up their front door, the world will be clean. 
yeah. right? Something like that. See, simple, simple things like that. Yes, yes, absolutely. And it's so valuable because we're, it's so easy to look at others and often we don't look at ourselves. It is. So one of my favorites, I'm just going to share one of my favorites because there's so many, but if you are joyful, it will shine in your eyes and in your look, in your conversation and in your countenance. You will not be able to hide it because joy overflows. Wow. Simple. You are joyful. So this is a, a great conduit for a follow-up question. Uh, I, I mentioned during our talk before that um, one of the things that I admire the most about you is that you 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 radiate this this joyful energy. Um, were you always like that, or that came with time and experience? You know, I think it was built. I don't want to say it was built in, but foundationally, it was instilled in me. Um, just a very strong faith um, from my father who just taught me just to believe in myself and to trust um, that you will, you know, you can be who you want to be and who you need to be. And I think it wasn't always easy. And I don't think I under fully understood joy until I was much older. I would say probably even 10, 20 years ago. But, you know, we... I look at it and I think the circumstances that we've been through and the experiences that I've had as a person and as a human being have molded me and shaped me into the joyful person that I am today. I don't think anything happens without a purpose. And I do believe that there is a reason. I know it sounds so cliche, but there's a reason for everything that happens to us. Um, And it goes back to even, I mean, grief and loss and joy can be found through the times of hardship and pain because it's internal. It's something that's cultivated and it's a discipline. It's developed, but you have to want to develop it. You have to want to nurture it. So allowing those things and those hardships through either, you know, death or um, sickness or illness or anything like that you know, allow growth to happen because of those things. So I've just kind of surrounded myself with that mentality, um, with that faith, with that belief that there is joy through those hard times. And I think that's kind of where it's gotten me to today. And I am able to share and have so many examples, right, of things that have led me to where I am. Wow, beautiful. Thank you, Jillian. Uh, let me ask you a broad question. We talk about specific books, but a broad one. Who do you learn from? I learn from, I have been so fortunate to have three very important men in my life. Um, my father, who um, is no longer here on earth, but he was my rock, my foundation, the one that strengthened and um nurtured me my whole life and he devoted himself to raising my sister and I and I learned so much from him and his example of, of grace and mercy and love. I learned from my son because had I not learned from him what it meant to really be a mom and to be someone who was compassionate and understanding um, that you know I still learn from him every day. He still teaches me things every day. I'm willing to learn. 
And last, I learn every day from my husband. We've been married for 33 years. His name is Tim. And, you know, it was not always rainbows and roses. It was definitely a fight to get to where we are today. But we are each other's, truly each other's best friend, truly each other's inspiration. Um, We learn from each other's strengths and weaknesses, and we just continue to build our foundation together and our love together. And it just, that is really those three people. That's who I learn from and look up to every single day. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. You know, marriage is like, um, like you are opening a cave and you think you're inside. But then when you keep going, you see that there's so many rooms and places to go. And and um, I have been married 18 years and I concur with you that, that it takes time to to get to a moment where, where you can be in that place, that you can be thankful and grateful uh, for, for from having a, a, a partner like that. Uh, so thank you for sharing that. Um, so uh, another big question, um, who is or who are your biggest influences? If you had to put posters in your room when we were kids, uh, who are those uh, biggest influences in you? So like right now, hmm, you know, it's really difficult to pinpoint it because I want to say it is my community and my circle of trust, um, those people who are pouring into me. And, you know, I want to say it's, it's my, my family on Twitter. And I know that sounds so like maybe silly to somebody who might be listening and going, Oh my goodness, social media, really? That's who she's talking about. But you know, there was something a couple of years ago when we were all home and we were working remotely when um, the pandemic hit and there was just that feeling of, oh my gosh, what am I going to do here, sitting here? I can't go anywhere. I can't do anything. And I remember the first time I joined a Twitter chat and I just found the right people. I have no idea how it happened. I know there was a purpose behind it, but I found the Teach Better team. I found um, specifically one or two educators and leaders that just, wow, I mean, built me up and just kind of, you know what, they didn't pick me up. They taught me how to pick myself up. <laughs> um, so it's not like we come alongside and, oh, let, let me help you. It's they helped me help myself. And I learned so much and I'm still learning, but probably my very best friend right now, her name is Livia Chan. And we have never met formally. We Zoom and we FaceTime and we t- we tweet each other. We chat each other. We send each other voice messages. We text every day. And we are meeting together in July for the first time. We're flying and going to meet face-to-face and spending at least three days together. So we are already so excited. But um, we are kindred spirits. We like to say we are like soul sisters. There has been not one person in my life that has just, I don't know, brought me to where I am today um, as a person teaching me to be authentic. And we learn from each other and we talk to each other about, and you know, things have been really difficult lately for both of us. We've both had some really hard, hard, hard things that we've been going through. And 
she's always that first person I turn to. Um, and I'm that first person for her. So we kind of hold each other accountable. So don't hide it, you know, tell me what's going on. And she always says, how can I come alongside you and help you today? It's not, oh, I'm sorry, I can't fix it. I can't be there. But it's, how can I, what can I do for you today? And that just, that means the world. It's like a sister. Thank you for sharing that. Viva Livia Chan. She's, <laughs> she's such a connector uh, of, of uh, beautiful minds. It's interesting because Twitter is like an ocean. And um, for the listeners that don't know, Livia is in Canada and Julian is in Florida and I am in Chicago. And somehow we are connected as if we were neighbors. Uh, so uh, you can be a good shark in the twitter ocean if you want to and there's many and plenty of good sharks too waiting to share with you thank you for sharing that Gillian. and once again uh <clears throat> bravo olivia shan hopefully i will have her in my podcast soon so let's talk about <clears throat> productivity as you know being successful includes being on top of your productivity yet this can mean so many different things to different people so for you uh when when you talk about your own productivity system or 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 process what comes to mind what can you share with us um for me it is making time not taking time but making time because you will make time for the things that are important to you and the things that are not important to you are gonna kind of start to slip by which is kind of nice because i know Um, for example, <laughs> my husband and I had a conversation yesterday and I said, you know, today I just want to rest. I, I know there are things that need to be done. I know that the house needs to be cleaned. I said, all right, here's, here's my plan. I'm like, I'm going to clean the house for one hour, whatever I can get done in one hour. Right. And then I'm going to rest. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to watch Netflix. I'm going to read a book. I'm going to uh, go on TikTok. I'm going to do whatever, right, is, is what I feel is important to me. And he's like, I think that's a really good idea. <laughs> and it was funny because he came home and I was working. He had gone to play volleyball and I was waking up from a little nap. And he's like, oh, you look productive today. And I'm like, I am productive. I am doing exactly what I need to do for me today. So whether it is making time to rest, it is making time to be intentional about creating. I do spend time every day creating, um, whether it is doing some illustrating, whether it is doing some writing, whether it is changing some things on my website, you know, I do need to have that productivity time, um, but I set boundaries. So I think setting boundaries and being purposeful with your productivity is so important. That's kind of number one for me. Awesome. So make time, don't take time. I love that. That's, that's, that's the quote of the show, I think. <laughs> uh, thank you so much because often, um, you know, I, I, I also, I'm also an educator and, 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 and you have conversations with peers and often the conversation is, I don't have enough time or I couldn't do it. And um, I love that that you make the emphasis that you need to purposely make the time to even take a nap uh, to ensure that it happens. Thank you so much. Uh, let's, let's, let's get geekier with the productivity. So in terms of email and calendar, 
you might have no system at all, but uh, just for out of curiosity, uh, how do you handle your email and your calendar? Um, so I do handle email and calendars every day. I do have some kind of system. I'm still working on that. Um, I do use, um, I, I still use a paper calendar. Okay. It's our family calendar that is on the refrigerator. So we all know what everybody is doing and that's broad, right? That's okay. Here's the dentist appointment. Here is when our work I'm working. Here's when we have a day off. Here's when we have you know, this and that holidays. That's our broad calendar on our refrigerator. Um, going down and paring it down to individuals, I put everything in my Google Calendar. So it's right there, things, and I set alarms, I set alerts. <laughs> Sometimes I repeat my alerts because yes. I will forget. <laughs> um, I set, you know, if I have a meeting, if I have a podcast, if I have anything, you know, I'm getting a little older and I'm getting a little um, where I've got to have those nice little reminders to kind of encourage me to stay alert. So. Um, I do that and I also emails, I check emails periodically through the day. I am fanatical about checking emails and Efreen, I, here's why, because I do not like that little red square that is on my email icon. If I see that little red square, I have a little bit of anxiety. So I check my emails <laughs> at least once an hour um, until about six o'clock and then six o'clock that's family time so I put it down um, I don't want to check emails I don't want to respond to parents I don't want to respond to people that might be even reaching out to me on my own um, personal email but you know just let it go you've got to have that time where you kind of have to turn it off and shut it down and just kind of like have some that downtime so do the you know you do have those productive moments and you have that time where you have to do what you have to do but you can also take that time for you. Beautiful. I love that you say that um, after six, you put everything away because it's family time. Uh, the, the analogy, I used to work in, in hospitals as, an, as a um, database coordinator and then office manager. So I saw a lot of physicians. And one thing I can tell you is that physicians do not work when they are not on call. So the same thing should be with educators. You know, if you want tomorrow, your educator to be on point to meet the needs of every child you need to ensure that that educator is well rested that their brain is 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 um, taking a break from all, all the trauma that is inflicted with what kids bring to school you know and it's just a reality and and, and and we are healing students and that takes bandwidth thank you for sharing that so do you have any type of to-do list system, either electronically or physically? Do you make a list of the things that you need to do? I do, and I call them post-its. Ooh, tell me about <laughs> it. <laughs> I am the post-it note queen. I have, I buy them um, when they go on sale at Target, and I hoard them. I have drawers full. I have every color, every size, every shape, and I use post-its. Um, and then when I'm done, when I have crossed it off my list, I uh, toss it and no, I may sh probably should recycle them. So don't tell anybody I'm not recycling. Um, but yeah, no, I take my post-its, I write, jot my notes on it and it has to be a visual for me. Yes, I can put it in my calendar and I can make a to-do list and on an app, but unless I see it, it's in front of my face, staring me down. 
sometimes I don't get to it. So yeah, old school post-its and uh, flare pens. That's it. Beautiful, <laughs> beautiful. Let's talk about uh, 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 you're an author. Um, and can you tell us uh, a bit about um, your book uh, and your trajectory in, in getting that from idea into fruition? So I like to say that becoming an author has become actually just, you know, people say you're an author, an illustrator, a publisher, and I'm like, yes, I am. But most of all, I'm a storyteller. So I'm a storyteller who writes and a storyteller who draws pictures to tell the story because I think illustrating is just as important as the words. I know for me, I'm very, very grateful um, for a family member, my dear aunt, um, who taught me art and she developed, she helped me develop my skills and she knew that I had something that needed to be um, encouraged and supported and she helped me do that. So, but when we were, I had, it was never on my radar ever. And I was home remotely working again. So um, instead of binge watching, you know, shows on TV and <laughs> I thought, you know, I've, I've got some things I would need to get out. I've got a voice that I've got a message that I want to share. And that message, you know, I talk about everything having purpose, even the hard things um, with joy. But I had a message because my sister um, passed away um, over 10 years ago from a very rare cancer um, genetically in my family. My father had it as well. And, you know, she when she passed, she was 40. And she left behind um, my niece who was seven and my nephew who was eight or nine. And I thought they didn't know their mother like I knew her. We were sisters. I knew her for 40 years. They knew her for seven and nine years. How can I somehow compile her life into a story? How can I somehow create her legacy to be able to pass on to them that they can have in their hands right so her name was lisa and i remember just sitting down and writing that story and Ephraim, it did not take long um writing doesn't when you have it in here and you want it to come out boom i mean it often just flies out often your creativity it happens whenever whenever you think about it in the middle of the night Um, whenever you have the opportunity, I always encourage people just write it down because you won't remember it <laughs> um, the next day often. But I wrote this story and it was based on my sister Lisa and I didn't call it Lisa's seashells. I called it Liv's seashells because Lisa's seashells was too much of a tongue twister. And <laughs> I knew <laughs> somehow I had to make it, but I, I called her the character Liv because she does live through my sister and um so i did i wrote it for my niece and my nephew and my brother-in-law um just telling the story of how my sister was so compassionate and she was not one that liked to be popular she didn't want to be well known she didn't travel in popular circles she picked up the broken she didn't try and fix anybody but she tried to be that compassionate, empathetic heart for so many um, who needed a friend. And, and, and that was just, that's who she was in a nutshell. 
So when I wrote the story, I wrote it, Liv actually was a girl who liked to go to the seashore. And instead of picking up all of the perfect shells that she would find along the sand, she picked up the imperfect ones. She picked up the broken ones, the chipped ones, the cracked ones, the ones that had lost all their color. Um, I have a friend here who gave me a broken seashell and it's kind of my little uh, icon. I keep that on my desk all the time, um, but it just helps me to remember that that's who she was. Um, she cared for the broken. She cared for the ones that needed a helping hand. Um, so that's what I did. I, I was able to sit down and I, I think I knocked it out. I mean, honestly, it was the first thing that I ever wrote and ever published and it, and I knocked it out in about two months. Um, and that was their story. So that's for them. They're now, um, 16 and 18, actually 17 and 19. And, um, we're still very close. I know my niece and I are super close. Um, and maybe because of this. Um, I've been able to, we've been able to talk and to, we talk about her all the time. So that was the, that was the basic starting point from there. Um, it went to road to awesome, which I co-wrote with Darren Peppard. And that was based on his, um, adult book called road to awesome that I read as an educator. And it helped me so much as a leader that I thought I need to share this with kids. We need to help them find their road to awesome. So I remember at two o'clock in the morning, I wrote down all these thoughts. The next day I called him. I'm like, Darren, I have this, um, this idea. What do you think? He's like, let's do it. Uh, so that was born. Wow. <laughs> then um, my family, we adopted um, a sweet little dog. And this is called Look at You, Piper Lou. And it's about the journey of a foster dog um, who was able to find a forever family. So it's a story of acceptance and hope. Um, so it goes beyond, you know, these are all kind of like social emotional learning messages. The yes. last one I do not have a copy of, I would show the cover, but it's called Destiny's Amazingly Different Dreams. And when I had blogged, I, I like to blog, I podcast, I do a bunch of different things, but I blogged about my son and one of the things, he's 24, but when he was 23, we um, recently found out he was um, on the autism spectrum. So in finding that out, I had blogged about it and I had a friend on Twitter who reached out. She's a teacher in South Carolina. Her name is Molly. And she said, can we talk? She goes, I read your blog and I need to share my story with you. She goes, I'm 35. I was 30 when I was diagnosed and I've never come out and said anything about being autistic or being on the autism spectrum. Um, I'd love to talk to you. So we zoomed together. I remember we just hopped on a call. It's two hours and we both just collaborated and said, let's write a book. And we just published it, gosh, a month ago. And it is about her journey um, as a person with autism and the quirks and the oddities and the strange things that people see are actually beautiful differences and how we can embrace them with joy and encourage and just invest in those people around us to really seek to be empathetic and compassionate with everybody we come in contact with. So wow. that's, that's what's wow. happening. <laughs> wow. And the show, this is it. Uh, uh, everybody needs to know Jenny and the boys. What an amazing story. I think it's very, very touching to, to, to see the significance behind your books. It's not just to write, it's to tell a story. Um, 
to do what you can to change the world from your corner. Uh, thank you for sharing that. Who will have known that from a blog, someone will connect with you? And um, this is the power of social media. We hear so many awful stuff. Oh, they're gonna steal your passwords. They're gonna attack you. But we often don't hear about these beautiful stories. Thank you for sharing that, Jillian. Um, let's talk a little bit about uh, your habits of success. Can you share with us any morning or afternoon routines that you do to uh, keep yourself um, um, ready to tackle anything? So um, first rule of order is to get plenty of sleep. <laughs> yeah. I am a person who needs my sleep. I know a lot of people don't, but I have to have eight hours of sleep. Uh, and I don't always get it, but I certainly strive to get it. I'm a morning person. I love to get up morning, uh, in the morning early, have my coffee, um, my daily devotion, my just time to be still. I take my dog for a walk every morning. It's quiet, it's dark, and that's my time to think. It's my time to talk out loud. Um, just even just talking to myself, some of the things that I need to do to encourage myself to, you know, kind of get myself stoked for the day. Um, and I do, you know, I just, I feel like it's really important just to be open and communicate and to, I want to say, say everything you feel, but I think it's important to share your voice whenever and wherever you can, because um, I've learned that the more you do that, the more people trust you, the more people respect you and know you, and the more they're going to come to you and ask you questions or seek um, guidance or seek direction. And that's what I love to do. I love to come alongside people and help them find their path. So those are just the little things that kind of help me have the strength and the energy to do that. Wow, Jillian, thank you so much. This has been such a great conversation. Amazing. I, I feel I'm a better educator just by listening to you. Aww. Thank you, Jillian. So anything else you would like to share with the listeners of the show? Hmm. Like kind of like a like a signal, like a sign off. <laughs> yeah. You know, one of the things I like to say is don't hitch your wagon to anyone else's. You don't know where they're going. You be the wagon and find your own journey with joy. Wow. You be the own wagon. I yeah. love it. <laughs> Jillian, thank you so much. This has been an amazing conversation. Uh, I'm very grateful you took the time uh, to, to spend here in the show. Oh, thank you. It's very and just empowering, but it's also, I just love to share. And I just think the more we share with each other, the more, you know, our, I think our love grows for one another, our respect for one another grows. And it's just, it's such a brilliant just brilliant brilliant thing so thank you so much thank you and have a fantastic day thanks thank you for listening to wisdom and productivity the podcast of dr ebrahim martinez chulo and i love that production chulo out bye, bye. <laughs> i will tell you behind the scenes bye bye guys <laughs>